Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our automobile and or truck. And today we are in the red studio, the little red car studio. And I am driving, which is happy for me. You don't care, but it's happy for me. I like to drive. She doesn't like to drive. And it means my foot has recovered enough that I can safely drive, at least out in the country. When we get to the when we get to the city, I'm going to switch over and let her drive again because her reactions are much more suited to the pedals than mine are. I mean, my reactions are fine. I just can't get the, the feet over that quickly. So anyway, welcome to the show. We're taking a little bit of safety precaution out here in the country. It does not matter, but uh, in the city, it probably will. So. Because, you know, we, as the poet says, and uh, I don't mean this to be any great metaphysical religious thing. So, oops, I'm going to drive off the road. Um, so don't take it that way. But the poet said, we are only immortal for a limited time. And uh, I've, I have, uh, I have most definitely, at least recently, been reminded of my mortality several times. So... Um, and so that's what we're going to talk about today in the podcast, mortality. And no, nobody that we know of, nobody here is dying. <laughs> nobody here is gravely ill that we know of. Either one of us could keel over dead in the next five minutes from... So far uh, as we know, we're good. Yeah. Uh, we have not done... I mean, we haven't... We haven't been too horrible with our hearts, and we haven't been... Uh, uh, I I haven't read... WebMD, because that'll kill you quicker than anything. <laughs> I mean, if you cut your finger and go on WebMD and read it, you are dead. It's over. You're going to talk. Uh, cancer Sepsenia. of the finger cut. <laughs> cancer of the finger cut. I mean, it's there on WebMD. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Um, he got used to me driving. Yeah, I got used to her driving. I'm driving all over the place. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, stop. You are not a passenger anymore. You have to control this vehicle. Get your eyes and ears back on the road. In fact, that actually dovetails into what we're talking about a little yes, bit. Yes, it does. Dovetails nicely. I'm sitting here, I just drove off the off the uh, into the center lane. I'm like, what the heck? How many times have you been driving a car and lost track of the fact that you are actually responsible for a hurtling couple tons of metal? Moving with a massive momentum. And often just, oh, like right now, we had a good two and a half, three feet between us and the oncoming vehicle. Yeah. Which was, a you know, felt like a nice, comfortable distance. Right, right now. But a bit ago, we were in their lane. (laughs) Oops. But they weren't there, so... But seriously, two or three feet is a nice, comfortable distance. Well, they can swerve. They can drop their phone. They can drop their coffee in their lap. They can have a heart attack. And that does happen. Um, I covered a story not too many years ago where a trucker had a heart attack. And he was the person I talked to, the uh, EMT, is a personal friend of mine. So I know this was straight up. he said he was dead by the time he hit the building. There was not a scratch on the guy. But he went through one building and into another building of agricultural chemicals. So you can just imagine the cleanup mess that was. It was right on a curve, and his truck his truck never took the curve. 
Yeah, it I, just kept going straight. I was just driving to work this, that morning and saw half of a semi protruding out the side of the chemical warehouse building. That and was not, unexpected. Not in a place where there's a drawer. Yes, not in drawer. the door. <laughs> just through the side of the building. And that was the second building. It went completely through the first one. And then I had to pay attention to my own driving, so I'm like, what? <laughs> really? That's oh, not supposed oh. to be there. Was there a person in there? No, there was no body in there, and there were lots of tracks, so no, no doubt they took care of that, but... Yeah, they just hadn't extricated it yet. So anyway, um, that that's a nice side note to put in. I'm going to steal the aside today. Can, no, no, no. You can have you can have an extra aside. You're not stealing my aside. <laughs> the <laughs> the bystander effect. The bystander effect. When someone is in obvious distress, and there are very few people around, or just you, the probability that the average person will stop to help in that circumstance is pretty high because we're you know mostly not a bunch of jerks but we're not turtles but we're not jerks yeah we'll turtles back. turtles will help we'll come back. Out. go ahead so if there's a whole bunch of other people who witness the same event the probability that any one of them will stop is considerably less than the chance that a single person will stop if they're the only one who see it it's the bystander effect everybody assumes somebody else has taken care of it and Two things about that. One, it's an actual risk to you if you're the one in the accident. Because if you have an accident by the side of a busy road, you just assume everybody's calling 911. But it might be that nobody is because everybody's assuming somebody else has. And if you are the one who's driving by, go ahead and dial the three numbers, would you? Because it might well be true that nobody else has. If you're the fourth caller, they will thank you nicely, I'm sure, and send you on your way, and you'll know you've done the good human thing to do. Now, here's something we always do, because we know the bystander effect. We get this. So we'll, we see an accident or whatever. We'll slow down and we'll look to see if somebody is there helping them. If somebody is there helping them, then we'll stop and, or we'll go on. But if we don't see anybody, then it's on us to call it in. Or to help. If we don't physically see somebody out there standing with a phone or whatever, if we see that, we're going to go on. Now, we're in a really rural area, okay? So, you know, we don't see these very often. And chances are really, 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 really good we know the people. At least in our home county, we, I mean, I'd say there's an 80% chance I know the person and a 30% chance she doesn't. <laughs> don't, don't bash her for that. She doesn't work in town. She works in a different county. And I am not natural, a natural, socially wise person. Yeah, I can not only tell you who they are, I can tell you who they're related to, who their parents were, um, whether their kids are in, in high school or grade school or their grandkids are uh, living in St. Louis now. And I could probably even get a pretty good chance to tell you what the preacher said last week at their church. Because <laughs> I've heard it three times from the various different people I work with. I, on the other <clears> hand, <throat> probably don't know them, but I'm stopping anyway. And out here, a lot of people do that, but in the cities, they don't. With her, it's kind of like one one of those things is 80% of the people know who she is. She just doesn't know them. Yeah. Because they see her on her, she rides her bicycle all over the place. And they know her from riding her bicycle. As a, t as a totally different aside, hey, if you want to be a stalker, or you want to wrecky your neighborhood in a way that uh, nobody will ever pay one bit of attention to you, 
hop on a bicycle, put on some jelly bean clothing, the bright cycling clothing, and just ride around. Nobody will pay even the slightest bit of attention to you, even as you stare into their windows and look into their backyard and see what kind of uh, fruit trees they may have. (laughs) Just decide. Well, they'll notice you're out there, but it's where bicyclists belong. And this is one way that turtle, going back to our original point, this is one way that turtles have humans beat in a sense. Because when a turtle comes along another turtle and sees that that turtle, even if it's not even the same species of turtle, is turned over and can't get turned back over, the turtle will stop what it is doing, turn around, and plow the other turtle over until it gets back on its feet. They will roll each other over. We've seen it happen several times. Yeah, we've seen it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. And one turtle we watched for about 20 minutes trying to turn its friend over. Couldn't get it done. So finally we, well, we intervened and got the turtle got turned <laughs> over. Yeah. They just both been around their business like, eh, nothing big deal. But even competitive male turtles, where they're, where they're both uh, in a competitive situation, will turn each other over. So. Okay. So why do you bring this up in a prepping sense? Well, okay. The sense of mortality. Part of what we're trying to do with 3BY is to expand the thinking of preppers beyond the... End of the world as we know it. End of the world as we know it. Exactly. We want them to be personal preppers. And we want people to realize that, excuse me, prepping isn't just putting cans on the shelf. It isn't just buying a gun and four boxes of ammo and putting them in the gun safe. That is not prepping. Well, it's part of prepping, but it is not prepping. Prepping is finding ways to prepare to help you when times are bad. Or help your community if you're or minded that your, way. Well, yeah, help your family, help your, your group. Your people. Your, your people, exactly. And also, prepping is a way to help you live a better life 24-7, 365. By, because you're prepared for bad things coming, because they always come, and they come one at a time. And, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that was not, I'm not choking death, I promise. I just don't talk much, and so I always lem up when I talk. Sorry, I apologize about that. Um, emergencies come as is where is. You never know when they're going to be there. You never know what kind they're going to be. But you got a pretty good idea of some of them. You know ice. You know ice, okay? You know this. You know snow. Car accidents are going to happen. You know car accidents. Car failures are going to happen. You know... Home emergencies like uh, equipment, critical equipment like heaters breaking. Houses just plain catch on fire. You know that. You know that that, uh, grease fires happen, too. You know that your car is not going to start one of these days, except for this one, of course. This one always will start. 
But as I was going out the door, I did grab my jump battery pack in case we come across some other poor sods. Yeah, cars that's, don't right. start that's why we carry those. We, we did so that some other poor car guy <laughs> he can't get started. And yeah, we could carry jumper cables, but I'd rather carry a jump pack because I don't want to hook my car to their sick car. Well, how about that? Here's an aside. I just saw a bus that I've been seeing on sale at um, on a social media site. Very distinctively painted bus. That green one, you know, I've showed it to you. The yeah. One that, yeah. It's parked at a new place. I guess I know who bought it. <laughs> and this it, is how everybody knows everything in small yeah, it towns. Is, <laughs> it's parked at Jim's house. Jim must have either bought it or borrowed it because Jim now has that really ugly, <laughs> ugly <laughs> green bus sitting in front of his house. Okay. Pressing right along. So what brought all of this up? Well, I've... We are only immortal for a limited time on this earth. Now, you can believe what you want to believe about the afterlife. That is way beyond the scope of what we're talking about today. We will let you do that prep yourself. Many people have an inherent sense of immortality. They Logically, on they earth. would know it's not true. On earth. But they feel deep like down they in their are. hearts somewhere, they don't think that the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune are going to be stabbing them Anytime before they're 70. Now, I, I really want to stop and make this clear. We're talking about your physical, corporeal, human body. I'm not talking about your soul or anything like No, we're talking about your body here on Earth in the hundred and some odd years you have available to you at best. Boom. That's what we're talking about. Your mortal being. Okay, I just need to be clear here because some people will misunderstand what we're saying. But a lot of people behave as if they think their mortal being is, in fact, immortal because they take no care, take reasonable precautions for it. And part of this is we come back to our old friend normalcy bias. Bad things happen to other people, not me. And that's just not true. That's just not true. And part of prepping is to get past normalcy bias and all these other biases that come in and just, they just crush our awareness. And one of the things that people just will put away, they won't talk about, they won't think about is death. But death will come for us all. Even strangely enough, we live in a culture now that is permeated with fear. And people are afraid of all sorts of things that are really low probability events. Uh, how panicked did people get about the romaine? The lettuce? Yeah. Germs on romaine lettuce from some supplier. Yeah. No, Out of I the. Mean- is it, something, is it something you should pay attention to? Yeah. Follow the recall. But how freaked out did some people get about that sort of thing? I had four people I, I personally know report that they ate romaine lettuce and then they got sick. Well, they weren't even in states that were even vaguely affected by the outbreak. A little bit of uh, misattribution error going on there, shall we say. But even though people are permeated with fear about a lot of things that are really not worth that much angst, 
they will also blithely overlook things that are real risks because they're very common risks, such as distracted driving. You face them every day. Distracted driving is probably the most common risk in my life. And sometimes I'm the distracted person. I really have to fight that. Because I, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm here, there, and yon. You know? I just, my mind runs at 3,000 miles an hour. And it's not AD, ADD or anything like that. I mean, it's just, I'm ready to move on to the next thing long before I'm actually there yet. If you were actually to spend some time with a, a, a psychologist describing this sort of thing, you would get diagnosed with a case of ADD. But I don't really have one. No. Uh, it's, I, know what the, I know what it is. I <laughs> yeah. don't have one. I get that. But I have just, a, if I am concentrating on something, I, as my poor loving wife well knows, what happens when you interrupt me while I'm writing your poor, loving, headless wife who got it bitten clean off Just for, last week. oh, I don't know, asking you what I should pack for your lunch when you couldn't go into the kitchen by yourself? Capital offense, dudes. I was writing. <laughs> you know? Hey, and I'm going to be honest with you. These, these you know, 1,500-word articles, and we're knocking them out daily here. That's actually a little bit of work, you know, because, like, we have full-time jobs already. You know, we're knocking out 1,500, 2,000. The thing that's running tonight that this podcast is actually going along with is, you know, a 2,000-word article. And we're we're, we're putting this stuff out daily on different subjects. And this is one of those deals when you stop and think about it. that's 1,500, 2,000 words. That's what a magazine article is, right? If you pick up Time Magazine, they're 2,000-word articles. That's what most of them are, you know. And those guys pop one of those out every month or two. So, yeah, it, it takes a little bit of work. So don't disturb me while I'm doing it. Ah, ah. That's my best pirate face. <laughs> ah, I'll be things there, matey. <laughs> so, anyway. Point is. Coming from a newspaper background, 1,500 words is, I can write 1,500 words on along my nose, but you really don't want to hear me do that. <laughs> <laughs> I take four times as long to write as he does. Yes, but hers is much more, her, her writing is much more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Good. <laughs> that's not the, the quality stuff on our site that's what she comes up with hey would you like those one of those super giant ridiculously huge delicious rolls not today thank you we're passing the super giant ridiculously every delicious roll place region of the country i believe has its small town diner that produces those ridiculous yeah the size of cinnamon rolls. cinnamon rolls they sell them for what a buck and a half something like that yeah you know, Cinnabon would sell it for, you know, eighteen ninety nine. Wouldn't be as good. Wouldn't be as good. So that's what we're talking about is raising awareness on the common everyday hazards, helping you be prepared for them. Uh, flip side of it, personally, I don't have a great fear of death because I figured out it's going to happen to me anyway. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, 
don't know why it's true. I'm just not terribly afraid of dying. But we're also talking about quality of life here. And that's a big issue. And when you are well prepared for those little slings and arrows of, of fortune, your quality of life is much higher. It reduces your anxiety. You have a much better day when such things happen. You can just roll right over them and go on. Uh, you are less likely to be injured or killed in the minor little dramas that come up. It just improves the quality of life a heck of a lot. And it's not about being afraid of stuff. It's just about a recognition that, okay, things can happen, so let's make sure we got the ducks lined up so if things happen, the ducks will follow their mama like they do. The thing about this particular podcast, this is kind of a little bit of an offshoot because this podcast is actually a companion to the article that I wrote, okay? But unlike most of the podcasts that we've done, that are companions to articles. This really isn't about the actual article that I wrote. It's about the why we write this type of articles and why we think it is important for people to think about this stuff. Just briefly about the article that I wrote. This, this is a companion piece too. Um, it's kind of a, a reflection. I've been, I've been contemplating death for the last week or so, not in a bit, not because I'm again I'm not sick, not in a morbid of. way. Uh, I, I reread one of my uh, my favorite books from my younger days. Uh, I'll go ahead and mention it. I'm not saying it's a great book. It's just it's one of my favorite books, and I like books that are it's know, light reading, guys. Like and, you know, so it's Piers Anthony, and the book is on a pale horse. And, you know, he was going through a time where, when he wrote this where death was really touching his life. And I read, the, it's just an extremely well-written book. Not even really a fan of the whole series that he's writing up. This particular book, I, I really, I just, it's a fun book. And it's an interesting book. It's a fun book about death. And it's, it's, it says some things, but and, it hides what it's saying in a fun little fantasy yeah. Fluff book. So that got me thinking about death. And I was reminded when I learned, as how I learned that we are only immortal for a limited time. Because you're never more immortal than when you're a teenager. That is when you're the most immortal, I think. And by immortal, I mean believing that you are immortal, not actually immortal. <laughs> And so I told the story of when death hit home to me. Now, yes, I had lost my grandparents on my uh, my mother's father. I never knew. He was dead many he, decades before I was born. But my uh, grandparents on my father's side both died when I was a teenager. And But they were old and they were sick. You know, it happens. Old and sick people die. I don't think it's... Well, they weren't that old. You know. They were when you were a yeah, kid. They were, yeah. <laughs> they were ancient Six, when you were a kid. 60 years old seems a lot younger than it used to. Actually, 60 years old is a lot younger than it was in the 1970s. At least as far as lifespan. 
at least as far as the yeah well he was my grandpa was a three pack a day guy you know and hmm. yada yada so they had passed and that yeah that that hit me especially where when uh, my grandmother died on Christmas Eve suddenly unexpectedly but that's still those are old people but then what really hit me were two friends, one of whom I'd had a, had a real crush on. You know, it was a grade school, high school type crush. It wasn't real love, but it was, I had a total crush on one of them. Uh, Robin and Lila were their names. And they were driving over to the nearby city uh, to get dresses for a dance. And there was an old bridge. Now, if you've never driven on one of these old Midwestern bridges, um, depending on the size of the bridge, they can be anywhere from a quarter of a mile to three-quarter of a mile long. And this was one of the old uh, big river bridges that was a lift span. And we've been, most of those are gone now. I only know of like one or two that are still used for highway traffic. But this was one of the particularly narrow, nasty-surfaced bridges. So it was a very dangerous bridge to start with. It was designed in the you know 30s for much smaller cars. And then they put ice on it. Well, they didn't put ice on it. Ice formed. I mean, nobody went out and iced the bridge <laughs> to make, make the going a little That was more. pretty low. Uh, Long story short, Robin and Twyla were killed in an auto accident on the bridge. A bridge that should have been replaced by then, except for uh, one of the biggest controversies, yada, yada, blah, 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 yada, yada, doesn't matter. But they died. Two friends of mine. We weren't best buddy close, but we were friends. I had a lot of angst and trouble in high school. And not everybody and I got along very well. But I got along with both of these girls. And I gotta admit, their death messed me up a little. It really did. It just really... When they died, my mortality died. I realized it can happen to us. You know, one of the most famous songs that nobody knows the lyrics to, <laughs> because he mumbles, <laughs> is Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit. And um, part of the whole concept of Nirvana Smells Like Teen Spirit is how our little group has always been and always will be. And you get that when you're a teen. It's always been and it always will be. Especially a small town teen. I don't know if it's so much in in, uh, in the big cities, but in, in small towns, you know, where these kids have grown up from from day one, so they're always in the same class with the same group of people, you know, the same two, three hundred kids. You know everybody intimately well. And even though I hadn't been in their school system since grade one, I knew these people. And they died. And their death changed me. I was a different I was a different person coming out 
of their funerals than I was going in. One of the things we did when I was in high school, I was in, I was in the band, and we always did the uh, Memorial Day Parade. It was the last thing of the year we did. We did the Memorial Day Parade. We had a Memorial Day Parade. I mean, most they don't do that most places, but we had one, okay? And it was uh, a, basically a parade of veterans. And... Let's be honest, it was a parade of, of World War II and Korean veterans with the occasional old World War I guy still around. This was before Vietnam was, you know, there was a couple of old bitter guys wearing uh, you know, their old uniforms with, you know, peace now patches over the top of them. Because Vietnam was not a thing in the 70s. It just it, At this point in time, it was really... Now, thank goodness, that's all gone. But So, anyway, we'd march in the parade. And the parade would march right down, the, right down the highway into the town cemetery. And then we would go up and do the national anthem in the cemetery where the American Legion did their thing. And then we would do taps. And we did taps in a really cool way. The bugler, the trumpeter, to be honest with you, would stand there in the front and do that. I played the tuba. And as the trumpeter played taps, one of the tuba people, it was almost always me, I don't really know why I did it, but I would go back around behind the mausoleum, and I would echo it back like it's echoing off the hills. Man, I haven't thought of this in years. <laughs> but we used to do, it was really cool, because, you know, the pa-pa-pa with the trumpet, and then off the distance, and a really soft like it's like it's mellowing and echoing off the hills. It was a neat effect. So I went around there my senior year. This is this is the last time I'll ever do this. I went around behind there. And I played taps, but I did my part. And then I was done. And I turn around and there's Robin's grave with the fresh dirt right on top of it. And until that point in time, right then, right there, it never truly hit to me that all of these graves had people who at some point in time loved them, cared about them. Intellectually, I obviously knew this, but it never emotionally hit me. So what does this have to do with prepping? I'll tell you. 
we find our motivations in our lives. We cannot do something in a vacuum. We really need to be motivated to do something. This whole experience of these two friends of mine dying changed my life. As you can read in the story, you know, it really changed my life because it, it took me out of my own head and got me looking outward. And I'm mentioning this not because I think this, the same thing should happen for you good people, but rather because this is the mechanism. I'm giving you a, a mechanism here because we all know needs are not mechanisms. Okay? He says looking over at me. It's one of my mantras. It's one of our mantras. Needs are not mechanisms. And so we have needs, right? What we need, what prepping is mechanism. It's all about mechanism. It's all about the how to do it, not the why. The why is external. So, But the why determines what you prep for. So to keep in mind what might really go on with your life and what you might really need determines what your prepping is going to be. And I don't know if an asteroid or an EMP is going to hit or if civil unrest will raise its ugly head in my remaining lifespan. But I am certain that other rains will come into my life. And the preps have helped me before, and I expect the preps will help me again. So it's worth doing even without those big drama events that a lot of people focus on. Especially the people who think we're nuts. They're really focusing on the big drama events. Yeah, I mean... But then I give them a jump when their car won't start after work on a cold day, and yeah. That's a little sweet, to be honest with you. It also motivates me to never forget the little preps. And they don't seem like preps to most preppers. Not dying is a prep. Preparing to not die. No, actually Sometimes doing, there's not doing what it takes to not die is a prep. Putting your dead gum seatbelt on. Had Lila or Robin, either one, been wearing their seatbelt, they would have lived. Period. I saw the accident. I saw the car. That was not a fatal accident to people who were not thrown clear from that car. They had a lot of metal around them. Yeah, they might have got dinged up pretty good, but they would have lived. Had as we lived when we were on. in an accident yeah, as that we, would yeah, have been we fatal are, without We are here it. today because we were wearing our seatbelts. Seatbelts won't always save you, but they would have saved Robin and they would have saved Lila. But they weren't wearing them. So, there we are. Most people wear seatbelts now because they're afraid of the tickets, if nothing else. But it is an emblem for the small but high-yield kinds of preps that we can all do every day. That can save a lot of heartbreak and a lot of uh, death, destruction, and angst. 
Okay, that's what we wanted to say. So I hope you uh, enjoyed the podcast. I hope it does something good for you, and we'll let you go.